The cut. The cut. The cut. The cut. The cut. Hey, Parker. Hi, Jazzy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good and ready and excited. I'm wearing my space buns. I'm ready to try stuff on. Because next month, I'm going to a music festival in Chicago. And honestly, the pressure is on to find the perfect festival look because it's been forever since I've been to a festival. And God only knows if this is my only chance this year to go anywhere because everything's going to get shut down again. So, damn. Got to make it work. I'm very excited. Here's number one. I, I'm going to call this Space Barbie. L- right. Love it already. <laughs> Even as I put this on, this is unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing this like pleather, vinyl, shiny metallic pink, <laughs> low cut dress. It's apparently very cold in Jasmine's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> this is very like turn of the millennium. Xenon. Xenon slut princess. <laughs> it, it's all a vibe. It's all a vibe. This week, Parker and I are on the podcast, Switched on Pop, talking about festival fashion and the way style and music mash together in these weird petri dishes of culture. We're playing you a version of that episode today. For this story, Jasmine and I sat down with very fashionable hosts, Charlie Harding and Nate Sloan. Well, one time I was walking down the street and I overheard this woman talking to her friend as I walked by. And she said, that guy dresses exactly like my grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, depending on who your grandfather was, that could actually be really cool. She didn't mean it as a compliment, but I I appreciate that, Jasmine. (laughs) Parker, I feel like you would have good festival fashion. You have a lot of band t-shirts. So I went a couple of years ago to Afropunk and I was really excited because, you know, Black punk kids, that's my jam. Hmm. That's my heart. So I was seeing all these amazing outfits, lots of fishnet, lots of Doc Martens, lots of septum piercings, just beauty in excess. But it was like this kind of homogenized view of uniqueness that kind of took me out of it. And I thought I looked good. (laughs) But I'm not trying to perform fashion in this way. And so that made me uncomfortable and made me feel as if I wasn't really supposed to be there because there was this um, performative nature to it that took away from the actual performances on the stage. Mm. It feels like concerts have become like church in the sense that like you go there partly to be seen and to dress up. And it's like part of the thing. And like everybody looks amazing. But also to worship. (laughs) I mean, that's also it's an also. (laughs) that's the point though it's like that's a whole part of it now and it looks awesome but it's just like they've created that category of fashion and now it's become really commercialized it's really taken away from from this communal experience where we're all coming together to listen to artists that we all love and this like beautiful moment it kind of alienates people from that experience because it's like now it's about who can be the coolest looking person there or you know it's just kind of like tainted in a way That's what happened to Parker. She's going to Afropunk to have this vibe, this experience. And then she sort of feels like this outsider because she doesn't have a septum piercing. (laughs) I just want to get drunk and listen to Gary Clark Jr. Is that so wrong? (laughs) I don't think that's wrong in any context. 
You know, at music festivals, fashion has become just as important today as the music is. And you see that probably most clearly at the festival of all festivals, Coachella. Coachella fashion is like, what, flower crowns, crochet tops? Flowers on your titties, kind (laughs) of vibe that you can broadly recognize as hippie. Which obviously comes from Woodstock. But where did Woodstock get it? How did fashion, and this fashion in particular, come to be associated with thousands of people getting sweaty and listening to music? To figure it out, we talked to a professor of apparel merchandising at Baylor University. My name is Lauren DeVita. I'm an associate professor of apparel merchandising at Baylor University. And she wrote an article called Three Days of Peace and Music and Fashion, a history of festival dress, starting in the Woodstock era. At that time, young people were leaning hard into anti-consumerism ideas. People were forming communes across America, and Earth Day was first celebrated right around that time. But in order to show anti-consumer ethos, you did things like either buying their clothes at places like Army-Navy surplus stores, hence the popularity of the bell bottom, or from thrift stores. And back then, clothing was made to last a lot longer than it does today. So it was very easy to get clothing from decades before that was in usable shape or from import stores because they really liked the colorful aspect of it, as well as that sort of association of being close to nature like so many non-Western cultures have. Native American influences, Indian influences, and also the caftan was huge. So the hippies look like something, right? Like there's a hippie vibe that reflected their philosophy. Let's take a look at that. Nate and Charlie, we sent you this article from Vogue Paris with a bunch of photos of what people were wearing at Woodstock. Let's all just pull that up together. One of the things that occurs to me looking at these images is that even at the original festival, there were dominant fashion trends like fringe, tie dye, old jeans. And then there's, of course, a couple of squares that showed up to the festival. So this would have been me. And they're still wearing their like heritage brand coming from their city job and are unbuttoning their shirt to look like they can try to fit in. And it's kind of working, but they definitely aren't following the trend. They don't have the cool shirt. Nobody's giving them the high five. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. Even the corduroy guy looks like he's having fun at the playground with all the people who are up to no good and you know in a big pile of people having a good time. The thing about this is, like, there is a vibe. Like, there's definitely fashion choices, but it doesn't seem like people have made fashion their priority in this festival. Hmm. It feels like more happenstance than intention for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's worth pausing here for a second and thinking about some of the ways that the themes and fashion that you're talking about are also occurring musically at Woodstock. Some of the themes that the main performers are dealing with are the Vietnam conflict and the civil rights movement, anti-capitalism and the rejection of the American dream. You know, you could look at an artist like Joan Baez who starts this story talking about her husband, David Harris. He gets arrested as an anti-war activist, imprisoned in July of 69 for refusing to report for duty. And she tells a whole story about it. The last time I saw David, he was in the backseat of the car and they handcuffed him and they were so anxious to drive out of there in a hurry. I think they thought we were all going to lie down in front of the car or something. But also sings folk songs like Joe Hill about this labor activist, Joe Hill. 
the copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Makes me think of lots of other songs as well, like uh, Country Joe McDonald, I Feel Like I'm Fixing to Die Rag. It's this commentary on the Vietnam War. We're driving on a Viet Cong, and it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. And, you know, just in the same way that people are showing up kind of unexpected and maybe not wearing quite the right thing, you had musical moments that reflected that same kind of improvisational nature. Makes me think of Richie Haven's song, Freedom, based off of the spiritual motherless child, which was frequently sung during the civil rights movement. Freedom, 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 freedom. Yeah, and then I think one of the iconic moments where this all comes together, politics, music, fashion, is Jimi Hendrix's performance of the Star Spangled Banner. Earlier, we were talking about some of these attendees wearing military surplus, repurposing these clothes. Like, Jimi Hendrix is repurposing the national anthem, which itself is very associated with, like, militaristic displays of nationalism. But he turns it into something completely different, something in the spirit of the 60s, performed on electric guitar with whammy bar slides distortion. I think it's as powerful to listen to now as it must have been then. You know, if we can pull up this Vogue article here, we can see Jimi Hendrix looking like the rock god that he is with a amazing light blue suede jacket with fringe on the sleeves and these kind of light wash blue bell bottoms. (laughs) A man who could get it. (laughs) A man who definitely could. I'm super jealous of this fringe jacket and I want it in my life. It's powerful. Totally. It gives me the sense at once of someone really laid back and perhaps countercultural, but also someone who takes what they're doing seriously. Like, this is a well-put-together ensemble. It seems to be as, like, loose and frayed and moving in the wind as the feedback in his electric guitar feels very fitting for the music that he's playing. Yeah, it's almost like a sartorial analogy to that spontaneous semi-improvised Richie Haven set we were talking about you know there's there's the sense of of spontaneity and and just like letting things happen and seeing what that's like that pervades both the music and the fashion here the thing about this picture is like it doesn't look like he bought this jacket for Woodstock Again, happenstance over intention. You just show up and the thing that like you just like, I'm going to throw this on, which is like the total opposite of large music festivals today. Okay, but real talk, living in Southern California weeks or months before Coachella happens, I now get targeted Instagram ads of festival retailers who are recreating that sort of Woodstock vibe in a contemporary way. They are very much trying to make sure that I am buying this stuff and ready to go to the festival ahead of time. But I mean, like, Coachella wasn't always like this. The organization that puts on Coachella is called Golden Voice, right? And when they set out to do the first Coachella in 1999, they then ended up being compared to Woodstock 99. 
this festival where things went horribly wrong. The fires and the chaos brought hundreds of state police to the scene. Get down, the riot police are coming. Everybody wants to get nuts, everybody wants to get crazy, and uh, they just got a little out of hand, started pulling down the walls around the speaker towers. Total devastation. People got hurt, people died, and this was all looming large in the background. But Golden Voice wanted Coachella to be different. And since it was the first Coachella, there was no template for what to wear. You might say, well, why Woodstock? Well, we were looking for guides, right? So what do we do? We go to the original, consider the source. And so that's why in those really early photos, you've got all these maxi dresses, beads, and floppy hats. So I opened up this other page that had the evolution of looks from 2001 to now. And if you look at some of the pictures, you go from somebody wearing, you know, a pretty detailed pattern, but still, you know, kind of a a nice outfit that you could wear anywhere, uh, maybe a tank top and some printed pants. And then as the years go on, it gets a little bit more specific. There are band t-shirts, kind of ripped up rocker looks. Then there's like a big pink hat. Oh, I forgot about the Donnas. <laughs> <laughs> and what ended up happening is very quickly, that style started to kind of spiral out of control. People realized cool people go to this event. And so people started going there looking to take photos of cool people. And then once people started realizing, if I go to this event and I stand out, I can get my photo taken, the ultimate validation, right? And so it's become a lot more performative because you're, you're going to dress in outlandish clothes in the hopes of getting noticed and in the hopes of being seen and in the hopes of being photographed. And over time, it feels like that increasingly became the point of Coachella, Less about the music and more about a specific kind of fashion. I do have another listicle for you. This is just a collection of Coachella outfits throughout the years. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, so the first image we see, it's for the 2011 Coachella, and is a woman wearing yellow carnations, yellow daisies. I don't know what kind of flowers those are. Yellow daisies on her breasts. Yep. If I could, I would. Really? I've never been this free. But it's also like, are they ever going to wear this again? Yeah. Like this feathered, glued, Victoria's Secrets bra, is this lady ever going to wear this again? I mean, I would actually wear some of these outfits, to be honest with you. I would. That I could tell. (laughs) But I'm also an extra person, so like I... I would go to Coachella to be seen. Like, that would be it. But then I would be like, I would feel obligated to go and listen to the show and not be seen, and then it would, it would, it would tear me apart. <laughs> One of the things that occurs to me looking at these images from Coachella is that it's a lot more about bodies and the presentation of our bodies yeah. and the things that slightly adorn it, whereas the images from Woodstock look like almost candid actuality shots that, like, they weren't from professional fashion photographers. And given that pretty much every image here that I'm looking at has every person is just all skin... There's definitely a part of me would be like, uh, I don't think I'd feel comfortable going there and wearing the things that I have to not wear in order to be seen. Yes. Oh, I would love to be naked. I know you, I know you do, honey. But there's also <laughs> no these are but these are impractical nude people. Like this lady's in a bikini and like a Davy Crockett hat. Like that's not there's a disconnect. Those are two different seasons. Yeah. There's a strong sense of 
particularly being seen. And loudness. You know, our whole visual culture has become about loudness and attention grabbing. Mm -hmm. I say this as someone who wears mostly grays and tans. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I say it as a person who wears every single color in the rainbow, like... And that's why I mentioned the festivals. Like, what is the point of of music festivals these days? Because it isn't what it was when it was Woodstock. These days, it definitely feels like you go there to be seen. And that's what makes this fashion. That's why this girl right here in 2015 is wearing a bright red fur vest in what looks like a summertime meadow. You make it so that people want to stop and take a picture of you. And you you make it so that you can take pictures of yourself and you can remember yourself. Like, I, I don't want to come out of this being judgy on the fact that people want to wear whatever, like they want to dress up. I want to encourage that. I would encourage more fashion in the music industry. In fact, if we could go back to glam rock (laughs) where where you could see every outline of a man's body, I would enjoy that. I would like to see more lycra, more spandex. More boys in crop tops. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that when you combine these two forces and pervert it with consumerism, when it's no longer about the art and the aesthetic, but it's like, about the clout that you can get from the art and the aesthetic. That's where it turns into something else. That's where it kind of feels tainted, where Parker feels uncomfortable, where the music seems like it takes a backseat to fashion. Doesn't it seem like, I mean, if we're talking about festivals being a representation of their cultures in their fashion and in their music, it seems that both of these festivals are exactly of their time. To your point, Judge, like, I have no beef with people looking exactly like they want to showing off, looking great, knowing that their image is going to be seen around the world because the entire thing is live streamed around the world. Like, Hmm. it makes sense. You know that going in. And so, yeah, it's worth getting dressed up. It's like, I wouldn't go to the Met Gala and wear my khaki shorts. (laughs) You have a bad choice. (laughs) Unless you want to make a true statement. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Parker. I mean, I feel like this is the key context for this shift that we're seeing in fashion and probably that we'll be hearing in music is that corporatization. Like, AEG, a huge multinational entertainment company, bought a major stake in Coachella in 2004. So that is not just an independent music festival. This is part of a consolidated corporation. This is big business. This is not a bunch of hippies gathering at Yazger's farm. And, you know, I think it probably changes the festival experience and it changes the kind of meaning of the music. Is there space for that kind of political message, for that kind of community building, for that era-defining moment? Probably not. Yeah, like, this is exactly what we're talking about. It also changes the meaning of the fashion. Like, this communal space has now become something fractured. And so, like, if, if, like, if you don't want to play the game, that's when you start to feel like it's not a place for you. Like, it's not good for the music. It's not good for the fashion. No one wins. I do think there's an important exception here. I can imagine we're all thinking it. It's Beachella. Yes. Okay, so some people are calling it Beachella, which is fine. They're entitled to their wrong pronunciation. It is Beachella because her name is Beyonce. Beachella is not a thing. She's the Queen B, not Queen Bay. And B-E-Y Though it looks like Bay is B, but you know, live your life. Preach it, Parker. Take us back to that wonderful moment in 2018 when Beyonce headlined the festival. The beauty and the wonder of Beachella cannot be overstated. It is incredible, not just from like a purely entertainment standpoint, but she actually did something truly powerful on the stage. 
she's putting on the show that draws so much from Black culture. And you can see this in the Homecoming documentary. Coachella, you ready? Let's go get on. She used like the iconography of an historically Black college in like a homecoming, which is a big deal within Black communities and within historically Black um, spaces. It's like a big deal on college campuses. And so to see that for the first time was pretty mind-blowing because it was sharing something that is very personal and very beautiful within Black spaces in this huge moment. When we first see Beyonce walking out on stage in this epic outfit that looks like it's inspired by Nefertiti, an ancient Egyptian queen, and of course with the incredible performance with the HBCU-inspired marching band. Which I bought a t-shirt from Beyonce's website. Like a gold, like a gold yellow shirt with like the like the the fake Beyonce Greek letters <laughs> on the front. This is great. This is exactly what Beyonce is so good at doing, realizing the power of a big stage. It might seem like Coachella is sold out and overly commercial. But she knows that there are so many eyes on her and she can use that opportunity of attention to make a powerful, profound statement about identity and race. And not just to the concert goers, but to the millions of people who are going to see it later on a Netflix documentary or who are even streaming in live at that very moment. Or the people who are going to buy the sweatshirt and carry on that moment then and forever after. Mm. This conversation just brings home how inextricably linked music and fashion are when you listen to this performance you can't separate it from the visuals and you but want to make both of them part of your world you want to have the music you want to have the the fashion it's like that memory is synced together they they are pretty much inseparable how do you top beachella it's not going to happen you don't you never. can't no nope. you shouldn't <laughs> no more shut it down yeah I, I don't think there's anybody else who could really pull it off in the same way and anybody who even tries gets their feelings hurt. Yeah, it's just disrespectful. But if we are going to steal looks from Beyonce for Coachella, I mean, there is a picture of her at some Coachella in booty shorts and a Sex Pistols t-shirt. And by all means, take that. <laughs> like, wear that left and right. The Cut is produced by us, Jasmine Aguilera, B.A. Parker, Skylar Swenson, and Noor Busidi. Our executive producers are Hannah Rosen and Nashat Karwa. Edited by the fabulous Kelly Prime. Mixed by Alex Higgins. But this episode was produced by the good folks at Switched On Pop. By Alex Kappelman, Nate Sloan, Charlie Harding, and Megan Lubin. Edited by Julie Myers. Engineered by Brandon McFarlane. I'm B.A. Parker. And I'm Jasmine Aguilera. Thanks for listening. 